As we cover the distinctives of our church, anchor church distinctives, we've been drawing them up out of the book of Hebrews, though they can be found all over the New Testament. And we have four pillars here as a church. We've had four pillars from the beginning, and we've been covering a bunch of them. We talked last week about God's Word, and we proclaim the authority of God's Word without apology. Today we talk about prayer. Prayer is one of the pillars of our church. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When it comes to prayer, most Christians wouldn't give themselves an A in prayer. Uh, maybe not even a B, maybe a C, but, but often Christians, we feel like our prayer life is at a D or an F. And I think a part of it is sometimes we don't know what to say to God, right? We don't know how to talk to God. We haven't been trained to pray. Um, and I, I saw a funny picture that I think sums it all up. Sometimes here's how we feel when it's prayer time. This picture shows how it feels when it's prayer time. Dear Jesus, <laughs> amen. Am I right? You just, you know, you don't know exactly what to say. So how do we pray? Why do we pray? How do we pray effectively? Um, and we want to learn how to pray individually. And we want to learn how to pray as a church because as a church, we want to feel like God is answering our prayers. We want to feel like this is a strength of our community. Hebrews is a book written to people who are feeling spiritually lethargic, who've been in the church for years but aren't growing. Hebrews is written to people who still struggle with basic behaviors and beliefs of the faith, people who are discouraged and tempted to walk away. Hebrews is written to people who would say that it's becoming harder and harder to be a Christian in their daily life. It's written to people who need reassurance that following Jesus is worth it. And hey, is that you? Are you there? Do you feel like you've got two flat tires and one of them's leaking? Like, this is for you. And man, nothing can fire you up more than getting your prayer life fired up. Nothing can get you moving forward again than getting your prayer life back online. So we're going to talk today about how God can grow us in prayer. Uh, let's pray. A little weird to pray about a sermon on prayer, uh, but let's pray and then we'll talk about prayer together. Father, we pray believing that you hear us, believing that you know us, believing that you care about us. So show us today in your word how to pray, why to pray, Show us how we can have our prayers answered, and we pray that you would be glorified in all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Open up your Bibles, if you haven't already done so, to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. The book of Hebrews is a sermon, and it's written to Jewish people to show them that Jesus is the greatest, to show them that Jesus really is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises of God. And so today in Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about prayer and how we can approach God. So it says this in chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And here's the key verse. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
This is God welcoming you into his highest heavenly throne room. And when you come there, you're invited to bring all of your needs, all of your worries, all of your cares, all of your burdens. The first thing you can write down in your bulletin is this. Let's pray. Let's just do it, right? Nike's got a great motto for prayer. Just do it. Let's pray. Let us then draw near, the Bible says, to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy. So what exactly is prayer according to the Bible? Well, lifting words out of verse 16, prayer is drawing near. It's relational. It's not ritual. It's relational. You're drawing near. And you're drawing near with confidence, not like, hey, God, it's me again. So sorry. I still have problems. You're probably really frustrated. With confidence, it says, to draw near to the throne. It is a throne. God has the power to answer your prayer. And it's a throne of grace. He wants to give you things that you don't even deserve from him. It's a throne of grace, and he's going to give you mercy. The word mercy means he will meet you in your misery to lead you forward. And you will find help in your time of need. So there are things in your life that are going to drive you to prayer, and those are called needs. That's what prayer is. If that's what prayer is, what what isn't prayer? Well, prayer isn't mystical. It's not mystical. Prayer isn't you creating this spiritual force field around your life and your family. It's not mystical. There's not this like, there's not this energy that you're trying to, you know, you're not trying to send good vibes to people when you're praying for that. It's not this impersonal mystical force that you're using. That's not it. It's also not magical. It's, it's also not merit-based, meaning you don't, God doesn't check your rap sheet and say, you know what, you're on the nice list, and therefore I'll answer your prayers. If you were on the naughty list, I wouldn't. Like, God's not Santa. God doesn't answer prayer based on merit, and prayer doesn't get you merit. It's not like, you know, you get your credit up high enough, and then, and then you're going to cash in your reward points finally in your prayer. We've got a lot of wrong thinking when it comes to prayer. If I had to sum up what prayer is, basically put, prayer is simply friendship with God. That's what it is. It's simply friendship with God. It's very simple. It's very basic. And I like what Ravi Zechariah says about prayer. He says, if you are a praying Christian, your faith in God is what's carrying you through both the good times and the hard times. However, if you are not a praying person, you are carrying your faith. You are trying to make faith work for you apart from your source of power. And trying to carry the infinite is exhausting. Isn't that powerful? When we don't pray, we are trying to carry the infinite. We're carrying our faith alone. And it's exhausting. So when it comes to prayer, how do we pray? Well, number one, you can write this down. Pray in Jesus' name alone. It says in verse 14, since then we have a great high priest. So this is answering the question, who is Jesus and why should we pray to him? Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. We have to pray in Jesus' name alone. It tells us here that he is the one in heaven who can speak to God on our behalf. That's our confession of faith. And if you were raised in the church, 
you may have been taught correct things about Jesus and prayer, or you may have been taught things about prayer and Jesus that contradict what the Bible says. But we have to pray in Jesus' name alone. I grew up in a Catholic background, and we were taught a lot of confusing things about who to pray to, okay? And when it comes to the Bible, it makes it crystal clear, crystal clear, that we are only to pray to the Father in the name of the great high priest of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in your prayer time, you should not reach for any other name. And if you do, it's because you're not giving Jesus the glory that is only due his name. If you feel the need to reach for any other name in your prayer time, it's because you don't believe Jesus has the authority that the Bible says he has. When you realize that Jesus is the only high holy priest of heaven, you don't need anyone else to help him. Jesus doesn't need any help ministering to you. So listen, if you haven't gotten this nailed down in your faith yet, pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ alone and don't name any other name in God's presence but his name. It is sufficient. Pray in Jesus' name alone. Why? Jot this down. Because he is heaven's high priest. He is heaven's high priest. It says we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus alone is the sinless Son of God. It says he's without sin. He's one of a kind. There is no one else who's ever lived who's been without sin. Only Jesus is the sinless Savior. He is not only the Son of God, which gives him a unique relationship to God, but he has passed through the heavens. Only Jesus entered into heaven on his own merit. No one else can do that. No one else can just barge into God's throne room alone, unmediated, and start barking out requests. Jesus did it because he's the Son. And he entered the high heavenly throne room of God, and he became a king and a priest. So he shares the right of the throne, but God also calls him the priest, the high priest of heaven. So when it comes to having a priest, Jesus alone is your high priest in heaven. This idea of a high priest takes us back to the Old Testament. Here's a picture of the tabernacle when Moses was setting up the tent of meeting in the wilderness. Here's what it looked like. And the whole community of Israelites would camp around this tent. This would be in the middle. And the idea that there were barriers put up showed people, look, God's presence is holy. You can't just go in there. The priests were welcomed into the outer court. Some of them were welcomed into the inner court. But do you see in, inside that inner tent, the Ark of the Covenant is right there? That was called the Holy of Holies. And no one was welcome in that room except the high priest. And he could only go in one day a year. And he had to go in wearing like a rope attached to him with bells on him. In case he messed up and died, they could pull him out because they weren't allowed to go back in there after him. Everything about the tabernacle was meant for you and I to understand that we are not welcome in God's presence. We can't get in there without dying. So when it says Jesus became the high priest of heaven, he passed through into heaven's holy of holies, and he is now serving as your high priest there. Only Jesus has the authority to say, you're welcome now in God's presence because I have made a way for you. That's why you should only pray in Jesus' name because he is heaven's high priest. It goes on in chapter 5 to say this, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men 
in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is beset with weaknesses. Because of this, he's obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And then it says, in the days of flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence. The idea here is it talked about what high priests on earth were like and they ministered to people and they cared for them, but they sinned too. They sinned too. So they had to go in and say, here's a sacrifice for the people. Here's a sacrifice for me. Jesus was without sin. So he offered a better sacrifice and became a better priest. And that's why we should pray in Jesus' name alone, because he is heaven's high priest, and because God appointed him as son and priest and king forever. We covered this a few weeks ago, but the idea there of Melchizedek in verse 6, what made him unique was he was the first priest mentioned in the Bible, and he was also a king. Uh, And because he was a king, the priests couldn't be kings in the Old Testament. He was both priest and king, and that looked ahead to what kind of a priest Jesus would be. So let me ask you this. Have you, in your heart, ever called Jesus your high priest? Have you ever prayed in the name of my high priest in heaven, Jesus Christ? Do you realize that Jesus alone can mediate between you and God in heaven? When you go to a priest, you don't go because you're worthy. You go because you're unworthy. You don't go to impress him. You go because you need him. And when you pray in Jesus' name, it's because you're unworthy of what you're asking from him. So you're not trying to level up and earn your way into God's presence. Jesus alone can give you a voice in God's presence. So number one, pray in Jesus' name alone because he is heaven's high priest. Jot this down, because he can help with sin, weakness, and suffering. It says in verse 15 of chapter 4, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to be sick. He knows what it's like to suffer. He was 100% human. He fully understands your life. Not theoretically, not abstractly. He actually lived it. And because of that, he uh, can take care of you. He can help with sin, weakness, and suffering. The descriptions of what a high priest was like in the Old Testament talks about how he deals gently with the ignorant and the wayward. He himself is beset with weakness. That's what Jesus is like. He became our great high priest. He can perfectly minister to your needs. He can help with sin. You know, when you have a sin problem, the way to resolve that with God is to pray. You have to get on your knees and you have to talk to God. And you have to uh, say you're sorry and you have to tell the truth. These are the fundamentals of Christianity. You've got to get on your knees, and you've got to tell the truth about your sin to God and to others, and then you have to say you're sorry to God and to others. That's what it means to pray. But here's the thing. If you're just like, fine, I did it. I'm sorry. Well, who's going to help you in heaven? 
You know, it's great that you're sorry, but who can erase your sin? Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can cover over your sin and your offense uh, with his own blood. So he's a perfect priest, and he offered the perfect sacrifice. Only Jesus can help you with your sin. Only Jesus can help you with your weaknesses. When you have weaknesses, when you, when you have things that are just draining you emotionally or physically, Jesus is there to help give you strength. And he knows what it's like to be weak. He knows what it's like to go on a long journey and to be weary and to be thirsty and to be hungry and to be angry and to be hurt. He knows what all of that feels like. So when you talk to him, he knows exactly what you're feeling like. Sometimes when people talk to God, they, they act like they're talking to some oil painting up in the sky, some theoretical being who looks really old and mystical. No, you're talking to someone who's walked this earth. Jesus Christ knows your life and your heart, and he can, he can relate to you um, perfectly. So you can talk to him about your sin. You can talk to him about your weakness. You can talk to him about your suffering. That includes sickness. That includes things with your body that you're trying to figure out, things with your mind that you're wrestling through, things with your heart that aren't quite getting resolved. You can talk with him about any of that. Prayer is basically the place to process all the hurts and worries of this life. It's a place you go to talk to God, expecting Jesus to be able to help you. Now, I know a lot of people in our church have been struggling with, particularly with physical problems, uh, sicknesses, and um, when it comes to talking to God and praying to God, God has given us many ways to express ourselves to Him. One of them is just you praying to Him alone. One of them is you getting other people to pray for you. One of them is fasting and fasting and prayer. And another one is in the book of James chapter 5, it says, is anyone sick? Uh, let him call the elders and to anoint the sick person with oil, and God will hear that prayer, and the person will be healed. Now, here's what that means, because there's a lot of healers on TV, and there's a lot of bogus teaching out there. What that means is this. If you're feeling like you're really going through a super hard time, and one of your problems is physical, you have a physical problem, and you want heaven to hear you in every possible way, all right? Like if you want someone to hear you on earth, you can text them and call them and send them a Facebook message and an email and then you can tweet them and then you can show up at their door. Like you know what it means to blow someone's phone up, am I right? And you get all your friends to text them too. Uh, if you want to blow heaven's phone up, pray alone, pray in groups, ask the church to pray for you, fast and pray, and then have the elders of your church anoint you with oil and then you've blown up heaven's phone. And a few people this week have talked to me about wanting that today. Like, hey, I'd love for the elders to anoint me with oil and pray. And so we're going to actually offer that at the end of the service. Um, there's nothing mystical about the oil. I think it's from Dominic's or Jewel. It is from Jewel or Walgreens. It's not from the Holy Land, right? It's just the oil doesn't do anything. This is a way for you to express your faith, to say in obedience to God's word, I'm asking for my local elders to anoint me with oil, which is a sign of God's presence and favor, and to put their hands on me and pray for me. Um, and if you want to do that today, our elders are going to be up front at the end of both services. Um, and here's the thing, that's not a promise, because God may just walk you through this trial. But listen, um, if God has given you that way to talk to him, and you haven't yet sent the message in that form, I just wonder why. Like, if you want to really blow up the phones of heaven in every biblical way, express your prayer to God, then I would invite you to stay after the service today and ask the elders to specifically pray for you to be healed. So pray in Jesus' name alone because he is heaven's high priest, because he can help with sin and weakness and suffering. Now, number two, jot this down, pray like Jesus. 
Jesus not only is the one who hears our prayers and answers them, he is also our example for prayer. So it says in chapter 5, verse 7, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, what that means is Jesus, when he was here, was uh, experiencing life just as you were experiencing life. He was 100% God. He was God's son. And he was 100% human. When it says here that, uh, when it says here that he was becoming, he was be being made perfect, we've got to be careful to understand what that meant. It didn't mean Jesus was becoming something that he wasn't. He was, he was fulfilling the promises that were made about him from the Old Testament. So it's not like he was learning, he was lacking things, and then suddenly he was, you know, going one level after another, becoming the Messiah. He was the Messiah. But as he walked through this earth, he became, uh, he became your perfect high priest. And God was using many things in this life to uh, fulfill his promises about Jesus and to install him in that role of being the mediator between you and God. And listen, one of the things that God used in the life of Christ on earth was prayer. You might be like, why did Jesus have to pray? He could just look up at the sky and be like, calm down. What's with the prayer? Well, it's because he was human, and God's will is that he would answer prayer. So becoming the perfect mediator, becoming the perfect person, included being a prayer, a person whose prayers were answered. So jot this down. Jesus prayed loudly and tearfully. It says in verse 7, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries. It says here, loud cries. And then it says, uh, and tears to him who was able to save him from death. When is the last time your prayers involved loud cries? When is the last time that your voice was raised, not, not at God, but to God? Lauren and I went to a Chicago Christian High School football game this weekend, and uh, the other team started getting playing dirty, all right, late hits, you know, celebrating in the end zone, and the parents started getting loud. It was a Christian school, so they kept it clean. But the parents were yelling down onto the field, late hit, late hit, where's the flag? Raising their voices because their children were being taken advantage of. Right? When's the last time you looked up to heaven and raised your voice? And you're like, where's the flag? Where's the flag? I mean, listen, hell fights back. Do you realize that? And you think Satan's going to play it clean? You think, he, you think he's going to follow the rules? Prayer is a place for you to say, I want that under review. I, I want that looked in. I want to file my claim. And the way that you can do that is by being loud. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. He was loud. He was also tearful. Tim Keller talked about the prayer life of Jesus Christ in his book about prayer. Jesus, Tim says, Jesus Christ taught his disciples to pray, healed people with prayers, 
denounced the corruption of the temple worship, which he said should be a house of prayer, and insisted that some demons could be cast out only through prayer. He prayed often and regularly with fervent cries and tears and sometimes all night long. The Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him as he was praying, and he was transfigured with the divine glory as he prayed. When he faced his greatest crisis, he did so with prayer. We hear him praying for his disciples and the church on the night before he died, and then petitioning God in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, and finally he died praying. Father, forgive them. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus died praying. The life of Christ was marked by prayer. Hey, do you want to be more like Jesus? Pray loudly. Hey, do you want to be more like Jesus? Pray tearfully. That is the Son of God. That's his example to you and me. Jesus prayed. When it comes to praying, I like how Tim Keller also talked about this. He said, people are confused. Am I just saying, God, your will be done? Like, is prayer supposed to be a place that I rest in the reality that God is taking perfect care of me? Or is it a place where I'm supposed to wrestle with God and say, I want my blessing. Give, respond to me. And the answer is both. The answer is both. Prayer is a place where you both rest in the assurances and promises of God and you find peace for your soul. You know, cast all of your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Trust in the Lord, right? Do not be anxious about anything, anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yes, it's a place to rest. Here's a picture of a very restful place. I'd go there. Wouldn't you go there? Oh, put me in that little boat and just shove me out to sea and wake me up in a few days. Like, I could rest there, am I right? And prayer should feel like this. Prayer should feel like you are unburdening yourself and, and you're just letting God hear it all and you're just trusting that everything he said is true. But that's not all it is. That's not all it is. Prayer is also wrestling. And here's a picture of wrestling. I like that picture. Prayer is this. Prayer is you wrestling with God. Prayer is you saying, where are you, God? Open your ears, God. Give this to me, God. Take this from me, God. It is a wrestling with God. Jacob wrestled with God and prevailed. Are you wrestling with God? Are, are you, see, sometimes you get too like, well, he's going to do whatever he's going to do, so I'm just going to rest. And whoa, your prayer life is like half missing. Where's the fight? Where's the voice? Where's the cry? Where's the, this is wrong, and I know what your word says, and I want you to come down and fix it. Sometimes people don't think they can talk to God that way. Jesus talked to God that way. And if Jesus talked to his father that way, you talk to your father that way? I would never talk to my father that way. Oh, what, are you a goody-two-shoes Christian? You're going to talk to the father nicer than Jesus talked to the father? Oh, I only tell the father he's doing everything right and perfect. Why don't you cry out to him when you're so upset? Jesus talks to the father that way. Don't you think you should? It's important to know that Jesus prayed loudly and tearfully, but jot this down. He had to, he had to wait suffer and wait like Jesus. In verse 8, it says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. He learned obedience through what he suffered. So the father did not take all of Jesus's pain away. And hey, this is a profound realization. 
if, if God told Jesus wait, if God told Jesus no, he's going to tell you wait, he's going to tell you no. If God, told, if God sent Jesus through the furnace and the crucible, guess what? You're not getting out of it. So have realistic expectations. Often God, in his eternal purposes, is far more concerned about what you're becoming, right, than the reality of what you're enduring. And don't get that wrong. God, God didn't fail to answer Jesus' prayers when he allowed bad things to happen to him. This was the way to fulfill Jesus becoming the Messiah that he was destined to be in the Old Testament, promised to be. So you have to learn to suffer and to wait like Jesus. Hey, are you, are you struggling with the silence of God? Are you wondering why he's waiting to answer you? Are you afraid that maybe he never will? Do you know somebody with a really loud voice? Like somebody you would never go to the movies with because they're going to talk. Do you know somebody like that? I won't make you raise your hand, but I'm sure you know somebody like that. Do you know somebody who can't be quiet even when they're trying? They think they're being quiet, but they just can't? God is louder than that person. God, when he speaks, stars come into existence. When God speaks, mountains shake and thunder roars. When God speaks, death surrenders bodies back to life. So when God is quiet, he wants you to listen with great expectations. Because he's a loud person. And when he gets quiet, there's a purpose. Only a mighty motive could silence the voice that called forth creation. His silence is deafening. His silence is divine. It won't last for long. You just need to be okay when God's quiet because there's a really good reason for it. Jesus was okay. He was humble. He was contrite. He suffered and he waited. Can you suffer? Can you wait? Can you struggle with the silence of God? I like one more thing Tim Keller says in his book. Prayer both requires and produces humility. You've got to be humble or you won't pray. It's required. But it produces it. I'm still praying. <laughs> it grows you in humility. And when you're developing your friendship with God in prayer, you're going to have to wait and you're going to have to suffer. Is your prayer life fully functioning? I've got this picture here of the prayer gears. I've, prayed, I've preached two whole sermons on these before, but a fully functioning prayer life has all five of these gears turning. Boldness, meaning you're not praying for chicken nuggets. All right, bless this food. It ain't going to be blessed. If you're just at the I'm praying for food level, it's time to get bold. It's time to ask for mountains to fly through the sky. Hey, if God answered all of your prayers from last week, would the world be any different? Are you praying for anything? Give that guy a yes for everything last week. Would anything change? Are you praying boldly? Confidence means you are believing you have a yes until you for sure know otherwise. 
God probably won't do it anyway. But hey, where's your confidence? He's just going to give me a rock. He's not a bad father. Talk proudly and confidently about your prayers. Humility means, yes, not my will, but yours be done. Too often Christians run right to that one. Lord, I know you probably don't want to do this, and you don't have to do it. I just, I just want whatever you want to do. It's a mistake to think that humility is the only gear in your prayer life that needs to be turning. That's actually an unbiblical teaching. Well, God, I just want God to do what he was already going to do. That's an unbiblical teaching. You're asking him to, to change the situation. All right? So let's not confuse God's providence with his practice don't get all wrapped up in that theologically. Humility is one of the gears, but it's not the only thing. Love means if you're just blowing people up and you're unloving, that you've got to be loving toward other people or it'll hinder your prayer life. And then persistence. Ask, seek, knock. Do not give up. Do not give up. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Pray like Jesus. Jesus prayed boldly and tearfully. He had to suffer and wait. Jot this down, great news. God will hear and answer you in glory. In verses 9 to 10 it says, And being made perfect, Jesus became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He was made perfect. Doesn't mean he improved anything. He was just made heaven's perfect priest and king by fulfilling the prophecies that were written about him. And this basically describes the end of Christ's life and the exaltation to heaven as an answered prayer. An answered prayer. God heard him and answered him in glory. He suffered, he prayed, and then God answered him. You might be tempted to be like, prayer? Pray like Jesus? Look where that got him. Dead on a cross. Betrayed by a friend. Abandoned by all of his... Why would I... Why would I... Not me. I'm not turning the other cheek. Hey, God heard the prayers of Christ and exalted him above all of his enemies and above all of his problems. Easter was one big answered prayer. God said, amen, but it took time. It took time. It was very hard and, and disorienting. It was very confusing. It took time for everyone to see that God was answering the prayers of Jesus. But God did say yes, and our God does say yes. Do you know that we worship and serve a father who says yes? In Jesus is every yes and amen, the Bible says. Everything that you truly long for and want and hope for forever is already yes in Christ. He's already granted it. Yes. The big one is eternal salvation. I want all my sins to go away. I want to be forgiven fully. I want a home in heaven and I want to be there for eternity. Yes. God said yes. Eternal salvation comes from Jesus Christ alone. And let me ask you this. Have you prayed to be saved? Have you prayed have you got down on your knees and said, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. I've broken your law and I do, do not deserve heaven. Jesus, forgive me. You died. You're my great high holy priest in heaven. Take away my sins. Bring me safely to your kingdom forever. Have you prayed the sinner's prayer and have you been born again? Sometimes I've asked people, are you saved? Oh yeah, I pray every night. They don't get it. 
I'm not talking about the every night routine maintenance prayer, all right? I'm talking about the you and God getting right for the first time in your life prayer. I'm talking about you telling the truth to God that you're sinful, broken and beyond repair. You're saying sorry to him and you're asking for him to forgive you of everything. Have you prayed to be saved? And then are you praying about all the things that you're carrying around? God has installed a high priest in heaven to minister to all of your needs. Are you praying? Are you praying to God? Are you praying about your sin, about your suffering, about your sickness? Are you talking to God? We want to talk to God as a church, and we handed out a prayer guide many weeks ago. I hope you have this, and I hope you're working your way through it. We're working our way through it as a staff. Uh, But this was sent out in an email, too. Hey, will you go through this, and will you pray for each of these 31 days as a church? Will you be a praying person and help our church to be a praying church? Sometimes people have a terrible week, and I catch up with them in the gym, and they're telling me about all, oh, it's been a terrible week, whatever. And I'll be like, have you, did you go up front for prayer? No. Why not? We've got people up front every week. And sometimes I hear a small group leader who's taking care of their little flock. And they're like, I want you to go up for prayer every week for the next month. I love it when I hear that happening. Small group leaders assigning homework to their go up for prayer every week. Sometimes people, are, they go home, they're like, oh, that was good, but I still have so much. Well, why didn't you come forward for prayer? Why didn't you come forward for prayer? God will hear and answer you in glory, but you have to pray. Jesus said you have not because you ask not. There's going to be a whole closet in heaven full of things God would have said yes to had you only asked. And I don't know about you, but I want that closet to be almost empty when I get there. I don't want there to be a lot of things God would have said yes to if I had just prayed. If you're worrying, you're not praying. Worry, worry is the opposite of prayer. Worry is you thinking that by your fretting, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to, figure, I'm going to fix this relationship. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to write this wrong. I'm going to get that person back. I'm going to make that. I'm going to bring justice into this situation. I'm going to do it. And nope, 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 nope. You're fretting and worrying. And maybe that's why you've got your ulcer and you can't sleep at night because you haven't prayed. Because you haven't rested your soul in God's presence. Prayer is a place to process all the hurts of life. The call is here. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hey, listen, Jesus is the great high priest of heaven. He can help with your sin, your weakness, and your suffering if you pray in his name alone. He prayed. He prayed. He shows us how it's done. He prayed loudly. He prayed tearfully. He had to suffer. He had to wait. But God heard him and answered him in glory and lifted him up out of all of his troubles and seated him at the right hand of the Father where he rules forever. That's what God has for you. But you have to pray. You have to pray. Well, we're going to close out now together in prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here. We're going to just have a moment here where you can privately talk to God about whatever is burdening you. And when the service is over, if you are in particular dealing with anything that is sickness and you would like an elder to pray for you and anoint you with oil, we're going to do that at the end of the service too. And I'd like to invite you, why wouldn't you do that? If God says, this is how I listen, 
See, all last week was about how God speaks, the Word of God preaching. Today we learned about how God listens, how God listens. And one of the things God listens to is He listens to prayer and fasting, and He listens when your elders pray for you and anoint you with oil. So let's close our eyes right now, let's bow our hearts, and let's just have a, a, a minute uh, where, where you can just talk to God privately and talk to Him about anything. Cast all of your cares on Him because He cares for you. Go ahead and talk to God right now. In a moment, we'll sing our closing song together, but just pray to Him. Go ahead and pray to Him. Father, hear the prayers of your people. Pray that in this room, the still small voices of the heart would be lifted up to your holy presence through the Lord Jesus Christ that you would hear. I pray this week that as people put these verses into practice and maybe carve out some private time where they lift their voices loudly to you in prayer, tearfully to you in prayer, perhaps together as a family here from on high. Grow our faith, answer our prayers, and be glorified in this place. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.